have an awesome choir. I'll say that we do. Is this thing on? Hello, hello. You know, I always get a blessing out of the choir. And I got a double portion this morning with them little youngins sitting between me and my wife singing. It was good. Uh, so, yeah, I'm glad that I got to experience that again. It's been a while since I heard little youngins sing. The mine are all grown now. But uh, if you come for a short sermon, you missed that one uh, <laughs> about two Sundays ago. <laughs> yeah, well, we're going to attempt to just do what the Lord have us to do this morning. And if it takes a few minutes, we will. And if it takes a little while, we'll hang in on that too. I'd like to invite you this morning, if you will, to turn to your Bible in the book of Luke, chapter 10, and I don't know, Lord just kind of impressed this message on me uh, as I was studying here a while back, and I actually heard a preacher preach on it one time, or several times, but through my studies, this is kind of where the Lord landed me, and uh, this is where we're going to begin <laughs> Um, of course, the, the verses that I'd like to preach on are verse 30 and on, and it's uh, the account of the Good Samaritan, and the Word of God. But we can't get into it without uh, going back up to verse 25 and taking a few minutes to kind of get a little background. Uh, some people may have already had this take on this uh, account. Uh, this was, for me, it's kind of a, a, diff, uh, a new way of looking at it. I don't know for me personally. And it has to do a lot with the great teacher, Jesus, who's teaching it. And the person at who he's teaching it to, which is a lawyer. Um, and when you began to look at the motives of this lawyer as he began to question Jesus on a few things, you start reading into it. Um, I think one of the greatest uh, thoughts, well, I don't know if it's a great thought, but, you know, Jesus has a way of not only answering questions, but the questioner. And this man, when you read it here, uh, verse 25 uses the term tempting him, and verse 29 uses the term justifying himself. So you know right off the bat, this man's motives ain't right. This is a worldly man, and uh, he's not asking Jesus a genuinely honest question, I guess is the best way to put that. Uh, so I'll leave you with that thought in, in your ear. When you are coming to God, what's your motives? Because I'll tell you that you ask Jesus a genuine question, and you'll get a genuine answer. Uh, but he will always let you know where you're at. And I like that. So I'm going to do a little reading. We're going to pray and we're going to ask God to help us through this. And then we'll, we'll just see where he takes us. But the Bible says in the book of Luke chapter 10 and verse 25. It says, Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do? 
to inherit eternal life. And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? How do you read it? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength, or with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he willing to justify himself said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Now before I read on, well let us just pray. Father, we come to you this morning, and we just thank you for opportunity. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the opportunity to share it. We just pray right now that uh, you would just be in this place, and we know that you are here. And I pray that you'd use me uh, to to, uh, bring your word, and that you would prepare each heart to receive it. And I pray that we come today uh, with a desire to receive your word. I pray that we come with a desire to know you more. pray that we care about this hour that we're in, that we, uh, we, we're not cold. If we are cold, Lord, warm us up. Help us to, to seek your face and to follow after you hard. But right now, Lord, I pray for each one here this morning uh, and, and this message, and we just pray that you'd have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Now... In verse 25 it says, Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him. And we, we already said that the man's motives just wasn't right. Uh, but the question in itself was kind of a contradictory question. If you look at it, it say, he says, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now... Uh, what shall I do? I, I don't know about you, but an inheritance is something that is uh, uh, inherited. It's, it's given. It's passed down. It's, it's, uh, it's like as a gift. I think there's a word for it, and I don't know how to say it right, like bequeathed. Um, and this man here has already, his thought process is wrong in the sense of what shall I do? Now, some people... <laughs> Well, just go out and you start asking worldly people, and I'm afraid even maybe some church people, this question, and you're going to hear a lot of, what should I do? If you ask someone, how are you saved? How do you get to heaven? A lot of times they'll say, well, you know, I've got to be a good guy or a good woman. I've got to treat my neighbor right. I've got to uh, go to church. Um... Keep the Ten Commandments. Many different things that many different people will give many different answers in that. And Jesus here, when he answers him, he asked him, he said, well, how do you read it? You're a lawyer. You know the law. How do you read it? And he said, he answering said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor is thyself. Now, I'm happy. I mean, this lawyer, he knew his stuff. He gave the heart of the law here, which is what? Love God and love people. And so, he answered right. But I believe this man knew that he didn't love all people. Hence the story that Jesus tells here. 
Now, we all know that uh, they all hated Samaritans. There was a deep hatred for the unclean Samaritan. And even him, in giving the heart of the law and knowing the law, I believe within his heart he knew that he didn't love all people. Hence, Jesus, when he says in verse 28, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. Jesus knew. Jesus wasn't answering here that if you keep the law, you'll live. But he's answering in such a way, in, in my opinion here, or according to what I've interpreted of the word of God, that you can't keep the law. Keeping the law will not give you life. Now, well, we'll get to that here in a minute. <laughs> but he willing to justify himself. Before I go any further, you have to, when you read this and you understand this, first thing you got to know is Jesus knows everything. And Jesus knows your heart today. And that's why that as I went through this and I, I come to this and started seeing this, Jesus knew this man's heart. Jesus knew his motives. Jesus knew his reason. This man wanted to stand up, make himself look good, uh, tempt Jesus. And I think in his heart he said, you mean you got to love them Samaritans? Why would he have said, well, who's my neighbor? You mean I got to love the man next door? Or I got to love them Samaritans? Or I got to... We all know, if you're a student of the Bible, you know that there was a great racial prejudice within the church against Samaritans. And even about all those that wasn't unclean. But he willing to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And I believe that as we go through these next couple of verses, that his reasoning for this account or this parable has everything to do with, with this man trying to justify himself. And we'll go ahead and read in verse 30. And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring, oil, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave, it to them, gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again I will repay thee. Which of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showeth mercy on him. And he said, And then Jesus said unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Now, 
The first question this man asked was, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And the last question that he asked is, who is my neighbor? Now, of course, the man answered right. Thou, him that showeth mercy was a neighbor too. But don't forget the first question. And this is why I think Jesus is just the greatest awesome teacher uh, that ever walked. Because within this, if you look at this very closely, you will see that he answered the first question very thoroughly. He says, and a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now there's, there's a lot of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There's, there's a reason that he used that. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. If you know your geography, you'll know that Jericho is 1,300 feet below sea level. You know that it's down there next, I think it's the Dead Sea. It's low, it's way down. And you have Jerusalem, which is the holy city, the, the, the city on high. So you have a man here that is going from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, I like that because it's a picture, if you want to know my thoughts about it, in Jesus and his teaching, this is a picture of humanity on his way down. This is a picture of, of a man that is on his way down. This man's in trouble. He's, he's going from a holy city to a hellish city, if you've read anything about Jericho. He's on his way down. And the Bible says that he fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And I don't know where you've been in your life. But I'm going to tell you, I've been on my way down before. And it seemed like when I was there, Satan was right there with me. And these thieves, I believe, represent Satan here. And they wounded this man. Humanity on their way down in the hands of Satan. Now this man asked, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus begins to teach this man. He begins to show him where he's at. He's beginning to answer the questioner. This man that was tempting the Lord. And he was a worldly man. And a man that was trying to justify himself. And he's showing him a picture of humanity. He's showing how humanity is on their way down in the hands of Satan. And he, he gets bruised and he gets beaten and he gets battered now. I don't know where you've been in your life, but I'm sure that if you've been in the hands of Satan in your life, it's been a hard road. You've been beat down and bruised and battered. Because the Bible says he's, uh, he's our adversary and he goes about like a roaring like lion seeking whom he may devour. And he's not your friend. Now, he may tempt you with, I don't, I don't even like to use the term friendly things. He may entice you with things that you might think look good, but the end result in all that is a bruised and a beaten and a battered state. And that is humanity in itself. Away from the Lord. God, who had created us in, in His own image and created us for His glory and created us with a relationship uh, to, to have with Him. And then he said it was good. And when sin entered in and we began that trek down. Away from the Lord. From the holy place to the hellish place. And then it says, and by chance. Well, it says, and departed, leaving him half dead. Boy, ain't that where Satan will leave you? He just, he'll walk you out there to sin. And as soon as you commit it, boy, he's got his finger out. And he just leaves you there to suck in it. 
I think the song says Jesus is the friend of sinners. They don't say Satan is. And it said, and by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now who were the priests? The priests of that day, they were the religious men. They were the ones that had all their ceremonies and their... Uh, they were the church. And they come down to this man who was beaten and battered. Now remember Jesus is teaching this man about eternal life. And here he is laid half dead and here comes religion at the door. Religion, the man of religion... A lot of people think they're going to be saved because of their religion. But you see how when religion came to this man, religion didn't have no help for him. This man didn't need a lecture. He needed some life. Religion will give you a lecture. I sit here and I preach the gospel to you today. I don't lecture you. I preach the word of God, but religion... I'll tell you what Paul thought about his religion. He said he counted everything he had as dung for the glory of God, for the cause of Christ. And if anybody had any uh, uh, leg to stand on about their religion, it was Paul. You go read over in Philippians where he talked about all of his religious qualifications. But when he met Jesus, his religion meant nothing. In fact, he said it was worthless. That's what dung is. And I want to submit to you today that religion in itself is worthless because if religion saves you, then which one's right? I don't know how many isms there are out in there. There's Catholicism and Protestantism. or I don't know all of them, but I know they ain't none of them worth the crap because religion in itself is worthless. Christianity is not religion. Christianity is a vital relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus. Religion says that you have to keep all the ceremonies and do all these things. Well, we'll get to the Levite here in a minute. But Jesus said, Come unto me, all of you either are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Now, I want to just give you a little something to kind of keep you straight on your salvation. In Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, the Bible says, For by grace you're saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath foreordained that we should walk in them. Now there's, uh, we were sitting at the table the other day, and I started naming off all the prepositions that I remember from school. And believe it or not, I remember all of them. Of course, my kids said, that there's more now because we have a new language. But I was naming them off because I was trying to figure out there's three prepositions in these verses. By, through, and unto. You're saved by grace. Through faith. Unto good works. Not by religion. If you attend church your whole life and you... 
do not have a vital relationship, a personal relationship, if you've not come to Jesus, you don't have salvation. And the world and all the religions of the world are going to try to tell you something different. But Jesus here is showing that humanity on its way down, beaten and battered and bruised, religion ain't going to help them. Religion has nothing to offer. We might call Christianity the old-time religion sometimes. Sometimes we sing a song, it's the old-time religion. But Jesus here, he's definitely teaching. You're saved by God's grace. Through faith on the person of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says unto good works. You don't work because, or to get saved. You work because you are saved. <clears throat> and I'll say this. You can't mix grace and works. Uh, Romans 11.6 says. If, and if by grace. Then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace, but if it be of works, then it is no more grace. You know what that means. You understand that. If you add one cent to a gift, it's no longer a gift. You can't add nothing to it. If you're depending upon yourself to find, I don't know, I can remember as a young kid, this was my thought process. If I do good, I'll be right. But if I do wrong, then I'm wrong. And God's mad. And God is keeping these tallies. We got all my good, we got all my good over here and all my bad over here. Because that's how that's the kid I was. And I stayed right now, I scared to death. Because I figured I was gonna get there one day and he's gonna look at these tallies and look at these tallies and say, Nope, you ain't get it. Thank the Lord for His grace. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And he said in uh, verse 26, He said unto him, What is written in the law? Oh, yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Well, I've preached way through this sermon. I like that. Sorry. A thought that I had, because I had a man tell me this one time, trying to build his case for grace and works. And he made a good argument. He said... It's kind of like being in a rowboat trying to cross the river. He said, if you take and you just have the grace paddle, then you just go around in a circle. And if you just do the work paddle, you go around in a circle. He said, you got to roll them together. Now, I want to tell you, church, don't be deceived. Satan, he give a little truth. With a lot of deception in it. And I'm going to tell you something. That would be good if you was going to heaven in a rowboat. But you ain't. <laughs> you better hear me church. You're going by the grace of God. By grace. Through faith. 
and that none of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is the gift of God. We ain't going in a rowboat. That's what I told him. You better hear what the Bible says and believe it. The best thing I wrote this down that we can say about religion that it is absolutely worthless. Uh, religion. I know a lot of religious people that do a lot of awful things. People have been fighting over religion since the beginning of time. Religion does not have help for man. So let's go on. Let's move on. And likewise the Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. Now, we know who the Levites were. The Levites were the keepers of the law. They were the custodians of the law. They uh, they done the sacrificial works of the temple. They were charged by God, the sons of Aaron, through the generations to keep God's law. But yet here we have... The law came down and to this man that was battered and beaten on the road and had no help for him. Why is that? Well, I want to say this, that, and I'm just going to have to get right down here to it. Who were the Levites? They were the custodians of the law. Some people try to be saved by ritual, which is religion, while some try to be saved by morals, which is the law. Jesus here shows that the law couldn't help this man who was beaten down and battered in his time of need. I'll tell you that the law can criticize you, but it can't save you. And I'm satisfied this Levite probably come by and he said, Look at you. If you'd have been doing this, 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 and this, you wouldn't have wound up here. You shouldn't have left in the first place. But it didn't have help. It had criticism. Uh, the law, I think uh, Paul said, that it slew him. It showed him where he was at. But he didn't give a solution. The, the law condemned. But Christ came to save. Jesus is telling this lawyer here that neither his law or his religion can save him. And I'm going to tell you that you're not going to inherit eternal life because you are religious. Or because you're a moral person. Um, some people think that they'll be saved by keeping the Ten Commandments. But you better hear what the Bible says in Galatians chapter 3 verse 10 says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all the ways which are written in the book of the law. Now that's, that's a hard verse. If you believe that keeping the law is going to get you to heaven, then you better watch about being under the law. Because if you are not keeping all of the law, and I'm not, not talking about the moral law, I'm talking about the ceremonial law, I'm talking about all of the law. The Bible says if you're not keeping all of the law, then you're under the curse of God. The Bible says that if we keep the whole law and offend one point, then we're guilty of all. Now, you've probably heard this illustration before, but uh, it makes a lot of sense. If you have this chain that's out of, just built out of forged steel, and I mean the type of steel that you can go over and lift my big truck up with it off the ground, and it loaded 80,000 pounds worth, and all these links are put together, 
and you got one that's made out of parchment paper, would you want to dangle over the Grand Canyon with it? Would you want somebody to dangle you over there, over it with that chain, even though it has all this forged steel? That's how it is if you're trying to keep the law. And when he said here, Thou hast answered, Right, do this, and thou shalt live. But the Bible also says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And this man knew. And Jesus knows we can't keep the law. The law was given to show that you're a lost sinner, and there is nothing in you that can justify yourself. Now, what men like to do is they like to try to, I mean, the thing about it is, is you, if you're created in God's image and you are created to, to love him and to serve him, and, and, and we know that sin has separated us from that, there's still this yearning. There's this, there's this as Casey Bradley stood up here and said one time, there's this Jesus-sized hole in every one of us. There's this vacuum of desire. To find something, some kind of peace, some kind of way to the Lord. And so people, they start working on themselves and they start working on their religion. And they start, and they, and they, and they, they start devising their own plan. And they'll call it a religion. Or they'll start, oh well this is, this is where I'm failing in the law, I'm going to work on that. And you know what that is, that's, that's people trying to build their bridge. Trying to build their bridge to God. Trying to, to get there. But I'm here to tell you today, I've tried to build enough of my own bridges and every one of them has collapsed under their own weight. Every one of them. And, and if that is, is the bridge that you're trying to build to the Lord, it will collapse. You will, at the end of that day, at the end of that bridge, you will find yourself wanting. But Jesus built the bridge. God threw his son. God took some old hewed logs and he made a cross. And he bathed it in the blood of his son. By grace, by God's grace are you saved. There was a third man on that road. In verse 33, But a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Now, if you go back up to verse 30, or verse 31, I, the first three words, and by chance. In verse 33, but a certain Samaritan as he journeyed. I like that. Came where he was. I like that. And when he saw him, he had compassion. Notice what this man had in his, what he had on him. He went to him and he bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine. And set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Religion didn't have nothing for this man. The law didn't have nothing, no help. 
And yet here comes a Samaritan. He ain't there by chance. It looks like he's very intentional. Does not the Bible says Jesus came to seek and to save those whom were lost? This man had, uh, he met him where he was. This man was on his way down. He was beaten. He was battered. He was left half dead. And here the Samaritan not only is on a journey, not only is he prepared, evidently he has bandages, he has oil, he has wine. The law had nothing but some criticism. Religion didn't have nothing. But yet this man was full of hell. I'll submit to you that this is a picture of Jesus Christ. The Samaritan represents none other than Jesus himself. Why? Well, I can give you uh, just several parallels. The Bible says that the Samaritans were hated. And the Bible also says that Jesus was despised and rejected. The others came by chance, but this man made his journey with a purpose. He came seeking, he came ministering, and he came keeping. He went to where he was at. He had compassion on him. He bound up his wounds. He ministered to the man. None of the, the law, the Levite couldn't minister to him. The church couldn't minister. But yet he did. He, he filled his needs. He poured oil and wine in his wounds. What does the oil represent? While the Levite passed him by and while religion passed him by, Jesus said, the oil, the, the oil, the anointing of my Holy Spirit, I'll, I'll lift you up out of this place. I'll, I'll cleanse you. And, and the wine which represents in the Word of God joy, the joy of salvation. He says He had compassion on him. He cared for him. And Jesus said that He set him on His beast. Does not the Bible say that He was made poor that we could be rich? And He brought him to an end and took care of him. All of His needs. And I want to tell you, church, what not only his needs, but I think it went on to say, and if there's anything else that he needs, I got that too. Jesus, through the work of the cross, satisfied the wrath of God's own sin. And he's the only one that can get you to heaven. The bridge is built through Jesus Christ and Him alone. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. And I just wanted to, to tell you today, and Lita, if you want to get a song. Jesus is saying to this lawyer and to us that salvation does not come by religion or by the law, but what God has done for us. Now, you might think, preacher, we know that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And we know that's the only way to heaven. But I want to ask you something. Do you live like that? Do you live free in God's grace? Are you still trying to measure up to Him? Are you still, maybe today you're not. You, 
don't have a vital relationship with Jesus Christ, maybe you've been dependent on religion. Or maybe you've been dependent on yourself. Be saved. Jesus came to seek and to save sinners. And through his teaching that he taught this lawyer, this worldly man, he's saying you don't have to do nothing to inherit eternal life, but to receive the gift. The Bible says it's the gift of God. To receive Jesus, to place your faith and trust in Him and Him alone. If you're depending on the Baptist faith and message and the, and the Baptist church to inherit eternal life, you're going to come up wanting. And there's a lot of people that I run into that are so legalistic. They live legalistic, they speak legalistic. That's a good word for it, evilistic. You work because you save, not to get saved. And I want to tell you something else. If you're going down today on that road and you're beaten and you're battered, the Lord's seeking you. He's the only one that can lift you up. He's the only one that could give you life. He said, come cast your cares upon me. You may be looking for deliverance today. You may be struggling with strongholds and you may have sin in your life that you can't get over. And you're looking in the wrong place. Come to Jesus. As we say. Everyone stand. 344. Grace greater than our sin. Number 344. We just can't thank you enough for Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you showed me who I am to you. You showed me my worth to you. And you sought me out in my darkest place through all my confusion. And you showed me a love that I couldn't find anywhere else. I thank you, Lord, for the cross. What a horrific place yet. What a marvelous place. 
Thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you that there's not a law that I could keep. I know, God, that if there had been one, you'd have said, that's it. My son would not have to die. But there wasn't one. And I thank you, Lord, for sending him for me. But not only for me, for the world. And you say in your word that whosoever believeth in you, in your son, in the work of the cross, can be saved. And I thank you for that today. And help us not to forget that. And God, I pray that you would restore the joy of our salvation. Lord, that you would uh, ignite a fire in us. Help us not to be apathetic. Help us to care. Care for your word and care for each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you're at liberty to go.